Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. I want you to, to take a moment with me and, and I want you to, to picture... A, a natural disaster striking where you live, right? And um, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a hurricane or a tornado or a flood or, or some type of, of natural disaster. And here at, at Central, our security team has been meeting for, for several months, and one of the things that we've been looking at are, are plans uh, for our church if a disaster were to, to strike. I know several of you have, have gone into disasters with our uh, Baptist disaster relief team, whether it's down in New Orleans or the hurricane up in New York or a tornado that hit down in West Liberty several years ago. And you know that when a natural disaster strikes, it, it wreaks havoc on, on a, a, a community. Uh, and, and in part, it not only does it disrupt homes, but it disrupts entire cities. And one of the big ways that it disrupts them is through the loss of uh, utility services, such as water and electricity. Uh, many, well, several years ago, I uh, was uh, living at home. It was before I, I got, got married down in, in Lawrenceburg. And we didn't have a severe natural disaster. We, we had an ice storm that, that came, and it seemed like every few years we would have a, a fairly uh, major ice storm, and this typically does. The power lines, the trees the, f- fell onto the power lines, knocking out power. Now, most of the time, the power would only be out for you know a day or so, and then it would come back on. But this one time in particular, our electricity was out for over a week. Now, we can usually handle the electric being off for a few hours or, or even a, a day. But when you go an entire week without electricity, without power, it disrupts your, your life. Right? You can't eat because you can't prepare any food. It's, uh, in my case, I had an entire electric uh, heating and water heater system. So it was cold in the house and I had to take cold showers and um, and not only that, but I couldn't uh, really communicate because all of the electronics depend on on power were out. But luckily for for me, the entire town was not it was just our part of of town, and so I was able to go uh, stay with my my bosses, our my my work, our uh, place of employment. Uh, the electric was still on, and so I kind of lived with them for a week. And they allowed me to eat with them, to wash my clothes there at their place, and then. Eventually, the electric came back, back on. You know, so, so many aspects of our lives are impacted by electricity. You know, from cooking, right, to, to cleaning, uh, to, 
to entertainment, to work. We depend on electricity. And it is, it's rare that a moment goes by without the flow of electricity making it possible. I mean, nowadays, we, all of us carry some type of electricity, usually in our pockets and with a phone, right? I mean, I tell you, my, my phone rarely does it ever go, go dead, right? I charge it all night to make sure when I wake up that it is, is charged, right? I have a charger at my office. I have a charger at, at home in the living room. I have a, a charger in the, in the car, and even I have a battery case so that I get double the charge for the off event that I'm not where I can uh, have it charging. And because my phone can do so many things, I'm able to, to communicate with family and loved ones. I can do work on it. And really, it just kind of keeps you in the know. And, but I don't really think about my phone using electricity until the rare chance that it dies. Has anybody ever happened where your phone is, has died and it just feels weird, doesn't it? It feels weird not being able to, to communicate with, with the outside world. And to be honest, there's some times where that's probably not a bad thing for your phone to go, to go dead. But we don't really realize that we depend on something until we, it runs out of, of power. You know, with so much of our life powered by electricity, we, we often ignore the reality of that power unless it, it's missing or it is run out. You know, the power of God is foundational to all of life. I mean, we see in the very beginning of the Bible, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, by the power of God's word, creation came into being. And his power is sustaining creation even to this very day. And the gospel is the power of God working to overcome the effects of sin in our very lives. But even though God's power is evident everywhere around us and even in us, too often we are guilty of ignoring God's power and living without acknowledging it. And we need to be reminded constantly that God is powerful and that He is for us. And in our passage this morning, we see two miracles in the book of Acts chapter 9 that, that do just that. So, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts, chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 32 through the end of the chapter, verse 43. So, Acts 9, beginning in verse 32. We're going to see in this message this morning that the message of the gospel is confirmed through the power of God. Right? The message of the gospel is confirmed through the power of God. We see kind of two sets of, of characters in this, in this narrative. We see the Apostle Peter, and we see his faithfulness to God's calling on his, his life. We also see the hungering for the power of God in those people that he encountered. So read with me. 
Here we're going to read starting now verses 32 through 35. Acts 9, 32 through 35. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda, at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. And they turned to the Lord. Now, Luke here, the author of the book of Acts, he, he depicts Peter as a, a traveling minister, going from town to town and spreading the gospel. And he was here visiting the Christians in the town of, of Lydda, which was about 25 miles northwest of the city of Jerusalem. Now, as we read through the book of Acts, and also if you read in the, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, we know that geography is, is very important to Luke. And it's very important for us in the study of of Acts, and we've already seen how the gospel, right, had, has traveled by chariot to Ethiopia and by a persecutor to the city of Damascus. So we now have two other foreign countries that that are already involved in the the spreading of the gospel, and the Great Commission began to move well beyond the boundaries of the city of Jerusalem and its and its suburbs. So Peter here is, as he is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, goes to the city of Lydda, and he, he encounters a man named Aeneas. Now Aeneas was, uh, was bedridden. All right? He was unable to walk, but more than he was paralyzed. It wasn't some other ailment that made him bedridden, but it was the fact that his legs did not work. Right? And he had been bedridden for eight years. This wasn't a guy who just had a, a little bit of a problem. He didn't have some, some you know, type of a minor sickness. No, he was physically disabled. We see that, that Peter comes to him and he heals him. But what's interesting in Peter's, uh, in this account as Peter healing Aeneas is that Peter doesn't say that I am healing you, does he? Look at, at verse 34. It says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ, heals you. See, Jesus is the one that is credited for, for healing Aeneas. So it, it does a few things here we can, we can see just in the fact that Jesus Christ heals you. One, we see that, that God is is very present and active in the book of Acts. Right, we also see the humility in Peter. So many of today's so-called faith healers are out there to, to really to, to build themselves up and to, to pad their own wallets. But here, Peter gives us the example of what a faithful follower of Christ is to do. When presented with an issue, he healed Aeneas, but he did so, one, not in his own power, but through the power of God that was entrusted to him as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he gave 
Jesus all of the credit. Right, early in the book of Acts, uh, Jesus gave his final commands right, to, to the, his disciples, and then he ascended up into, into heaven where he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. But though Jesus is, is in heaven, he still exercises power on earth. Right, he exercised power in the book of Acts in the early church. He has exercised his power throughout history and he is still exercising his power to this very day. How do I know that? Because I have experienced that power. I've experienced that power through the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. The gospel was shared to me as a a young child by my parents. As a young boy, I gave my life to, to Christ. And guys, that is a power unlike any power of raising somebody from being paralyzed or even raising somebody from the dead. The power to save an enemy of God, a rebel, to breathe new life into them is an amazing power. But we also see See Jesus at work in today. Several people I've been talking recently have been having difficult times, whether it is the, the loss of a loved one or dealing with medical issues. And, and I'll say that we are, that we're praying for you. And that's not just an empty phrase to say just to, to fill the space. I, I really mean that is that we as a church pray diligently for those that are in need. And time and time again, their response to me is, oh, I know. I know that you're praying for me because I can feel your prayers. And they say that that is the best thing that you can, that you can do for me. That is a sign of, of great faith when we depend on the power of God through our prayers. And so we see that, that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ or it's carrying out the will of the Father in the name of the Son. It's the connection of the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, carrying this out. And so as a result of the Spirit's work, people are turning to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, and they are repenting of their sin. The great story is not the fact that, that Aeneas was, that he was healed, that he was able to, to walk, no, it was so that those in Lydda and in the neighboring town of Sharon, they saw this mighty work and they put their faith in Christ. We also uh, see here Peter's faithfulness to, to the Great Commission. Right, Peter stepped up to the call that God had placed on his life and we, we know the story of of Peter, how he was uh, so close to, to the Lord. He was one of his closest friends, but then he, he denied him. He said he didn't even know Jesus at the crucifixion. But now we see through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, he has become an amazing evangelist for the Lord. And he is a disciple who endeavored to fulfill Jesus' command to, to be that witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He traveled to those areas that needed to hear the gospel. And he was performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And he didn't do so to bring glory to himself, but to point other people to Christ. 
so that they would believe in him. So this humility brought glory to God the Father through the acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter. We see that he attributed that power to Jesus, to whom all the glory rightfully belongs. Any good thing that we do, we should give glory to God the Father, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because all good things come from Him. Oftentimes, we see at the end of a, a sporting event, you know, uh, and we saw it several times, especially during the NCAA tournament, where uh, they're interviewing the player or, or coach, and they said, first and foremost, I want to give glory to God uh, for that, or my, my Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, I don't... I don't know whether that is a, a, a genuine affirmation of, of God or not. I don't know those, those players or coaches, but it is a, a symbol that we know that we are to give God glory for the things that happen in, in our life, for all the glory rightfully belongs to Him. But we also see as we move on in the, the book of Acts how uh, the word traveled. It didn't just stay in Lydda and Sharon, but it traveled to the neighboring towns. And, and so uh, Peter was asked to come to the city of Joppa. So let's read here in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. The report of the miracle of Peter healing Aeneas, it spread widely, and Luke tells us that virtually everybody learned about it. So it seems obvious here from the next few verses that the disciples in Joppa sent for, for Peter to come because they too were hoping for a miracle that Peter would raise Tabitha from the dead. They knew that, that Peter was an apostle, that he was empowered by the Spirit of Christ and therefore he had the power to raise Tabitha from the dead to see that this hope was fulfilled see we see in the people this hungering to see God's power they 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 heard of what Peter did through the spirit's power honoring Christ and the healing of of Aeneas and Lydda they said we want that power here in Joppa but we also see here that kind of the their love for their fellow sister in Christ, Tabitha, or, or as it is translated, Dorcas. We see in verse 36 that Tabitha was full of good works and acts of charity. We can see just from this one verse, one that the, the value that God has placed and the church throughout history has placed in, in, in the women that, that serve the Lord. Right? It's not just a, a male-only game here. That God loves and the church should love and value the ladies. <laughs> and as I said last week as we honored our, our, our senior adults, is that a, a, a thriving church will 
have thriving senior adults in, in it that are doing ministry. And the same is, is true for, for women. That a thriving church will value and empower women to serve just as we see here in the book of Acts. For Tabitha was full of good works and charity. She was known by what she did and how she, she cared. It is Today is Mother's Day and I, I think back to my, my own mom. Uh, my mom raised three, three kids and to be honest, I know from personal experience that was a difficult job, right? <laughs> because of my brother and sister. Um, <laughs> no, but, but my mom, uh, she, she cared uh, deeply for us, and she raised us in the fear and the admonition of, of the Lord. She had been, a, been and still is a, a pastor's wife for most of her life. But if you were to to go into the churches where she served, you're, you're not going to see a plaque with her name or her picture hanging somewhere in a prominent place because she would never want that. <laughs> no, she served in, really in the way of, of humility, oftentimes stepping up where nobody else would do so. I remember when I was a young boy, grade school age, and we had RAs, royal ambassadors, at our, our church, and it was time that we, we had a good group of boys that were there, but we had nobody that wanted to lead them. <laughs> and so we were, we were kind of at a crossroads. Either we, we do away with the ministry or somebody steps up. Now, if you're familiar with royal ambassadors, it is for just the boys. All right? it, the boys come and they, they learn in missions and how to kind of grow as men. And sadly, none of the men in the church would step up to teach us. <laughs> but my mom did. <laughs> And so for several years, she taught us boys in, in RAs. I think the, the years later, I had just graduated from, from high school, and we did not have a, a, a college or career Sunday school class. It was a void in, in our, our church. And so she said, you know what? My, my son needs to, to have a Sunday school class where he can learn the Bible among his, his peers. And so she stood up and, and taught that, that class faithfully for several years and uh, thankfully, after they, they left to move to another church, I stayed in that church. And again, there was still that void. Nobody would step up to teach the college and career class. And so I felt led of God to, to step in the role that my mom had in teaching, teaching my, own, my own peers. And, and I know that's an example of, of my own mother, but we see these examples throughout churches all across the world and in our, our country, and especially even here in the, in the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, we have, uh, as far as missionaries goes, the strongest mission force uh, in, in the world of any church. Uh, we have uh, almost 5,000 missionaries that are all over the world in some of the hardest to reach areas. We have thousands of missionaries that are serving here in, in North America. And we depend largely on the funding of our churches, but as well as the special offerings of, of our convention to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to support these missionaries. And if you've been around a Southern Baptist church long enough, you know the, the names of those offerings, right? It is the, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And it's not a coincidence that those names of those offerings are of of women, 
Right? It is because that through the, the Women's Missionary Union, the WMU, that has been a strong force for, for generations that, that seeks to empower to, to serve our, our missionaries both at home and, and abroad. It is the, the ladies that have, that have done that because they are, are willing to step up and they are some of the most faithful servants of the Lord. We see that the same was true of, of Tabitha here in the book of, of Acts. And so she has died. And because of the community's love for her, they sought Peter to come and to, to perform a miracle. So we pick it up in verse 39. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. You see that? How she, she made things and cared for those, and they came and, and weeped for her. But Peter put them all outside, cleared the room, and he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when, he saw, when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. We see in verse 40 that Peter prayed. He cleared out the room. He said it was just him and, and Tabitha. And he knelt down and he prayed. And what do you think Peter prayed about in those moments? We don't, we don't have it written out. It's speculative, but maybe that Peter prayed for, for wisdom, guidance. He may have even prayed for, for faith. But most certainly Peter prayed for God's power as he spoke to Tabitha's dead body. Tabitha, get up. You know, we, we shouldn't overlook the fact that Peter prayed. You know, it's not recorded that he prayed before healing of Aeneas, but it is here. We can't presume upon the power of God in the work that we do in the name of, of Jesus. Right? Peter couldn't just assume that, you know what, I'm an apostle, so God is with me. So if I say, Tabitha, arise, that, that she's going to arise. No, Peter didn't depend on himself at all. He fully submitted himself to, to Christ. We should do so as well in humility. We must seek the face of God in prayer, Asking that his supernatural power would embolden us to do his work. I was uh, been reading the last a couple of weeks uh, from from Henry Blackby. You may be familiar with him. He's a minister, author. He um, largely known for his uh, book and study, "Experiencing God," and basically he has built his ministry up, upon that is to help followers of Christ to experience the power of God and he mentioned that that he was um, that he was he was speaking at this this conference once and some people came pastors came up to him and they said you know our churches are 
are struggling. We're, we're doing everything right. right? We, 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 we have a worship service. We have Sunday school. We, we have all of the, the different ministries and, and programs, and we're doing the same thing. And what worked years ago, it's just not working now, and we don't understand why. Blackaby, and the way he, he puts things, is uh, very to the point. And he said, the reason why God's not moving through your ministries is because you haven't even asked God if you should be doing that in the first place. Now, the point of that is not saying that we should do away with all of the, of the, of the ministries, but it's the fact that we as churches easily get so um, just caught up in just doing the same thing over and we do it because we did it last year and we did it years ago and it's worked so we it should just work the now and and we find that over time where we depended on the power of God now it just seems to we just kind of get in the mode of just fulfilling the calendar we don't pray to God to see his power among us just think what our Sunday school classes would be like as much as we prepared and studied our Sunday school lesson, that we sought God's face and sought the power of God to be among us. Think about what our worship services would be like if, if, if we spent time in prayer to God. God, may your power move among us. Think about what our, the different ministries would be like. We've got... Vacation Bible School coming up here in, in several weeks. What would a Vacation Bible School be like if as much as we prepared and we, and we studied the lessons and we recruited people to be a part of it and we made sure we had all of the food and we advertised and we did all of those things and we must do that. But if we spent as much time in prayer seeking the power of God to move among us. See guys, Sunday school doesn't save anybody. VBS doesn't save anybody. Our worship services don't save anybody. They don't change lives. They are the means by which God saves people. But so often we put our faith in the means instead of the substance of that means, which is God. And we see in this passage this morning that Peter devoted himself fully to the power of God to heal both Aeneas and Tabitha. And not only that, but the people were hungering to see that power of God move, and they put their faith in Christ. Because of this miracle of raising Tabitha from the, the dead, many in Joppa believed in the Lord. And, and no doubt the disciples, they, they shared the news of this, uh, this miracle far and wide, and the evidence is, it, it was available in, in the fact that Tabitha was alive and was walking around and it's noticeable here that peter's aim again was to turn people to the lord not to himself because apart from christ there is no power no power in peter and no power in us peter couldn't have healed aeneas nor could he have raised tabitha from the dead on his own but with the power of god through the Holy Spirit, Peter was empowered to do great things to point people to Jesus. I read a tweet this morning. I'll share it with you. I'm get bring my electricity device out here. It's, uh, 
Interestingly, it's from Richard Blackaby, which is Henry's son, who is continuing the ministry of his father. And he tweeted this this morning. He said, the longer you walk with God, the more faith you should have in Him. And he said, are you trusting Him for greater things today than ever before? A lot of us here have been Christians for a long time. Maybe you were saved as a child at a vacation Bible school or through the ministries of, of the church. And as we mature, not only in age, but we are also to mature in our faith. But sadly, many times, though, we, we tend to kind of just reach a point where we continue, to, where we decide that we're going to kind of take back control of our lives and, and, uh, and, and go our own way. The question I have for you, whether you've been saved for, you know, a brand new Christian or for generations, decades, maybe you're not even a follower of Christ this morning. Are you depending upon the power of God to work in your life? And think about how your work week would be if you woke up on Monday and instead of saying, oh, here's another week, that you saw that as a blessing from God and you said, God, how are you going to move in my life this week for your glory? Think about what your family's, your home life would be like. Instead of, oh gosh, man, I've got this, it's like my life is just full of problems and I can't, nobody's here to help. Instead, you saw that as a blessing from the Lord. And you depended upon God to help you to lead your family. Maybe just in your, your own life. Maybe your life is just a, a mess this morning. Maybe it's just from making a lot of unwise decisions. or Maybe it's just sometimes we don't even have to seek it. Life just gets hard and it just hits us sometimes with a two by four across the head. But what if we were to, to just turn that over to the Lord? Now we don't li- live in this naive thought that we just let go and let God. That's not how the God has called us to, to live. We're not just to, to put it all in His hands and we just sit back and it's like we're we just uh, kind of an empty shell of a body. No, we as followers of Christ are to have hope that God, the same God that healed Aeneas, that raised Tabitha from the dead, can move and empower our lives. We have that hope because we have seen God's faithfulness throughout history. And if you are a follower of Christ, you've experienced that faithfulness in your life. And as we, as we cling to that hope, we also live in the reality of life. And in the reality, when those two things intersect, hope in reality, that is when we are living in the power of Christ. So we need to trust. We need to trust in Jesus. One, you need to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You can't save yourself. You're not earning your favor to God. It only comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the repentance of your sin, turning from that and turning to Christ to depend on Him for everything in your life. But it also comes from that complete dependence upon Him to guide you every single step of your life. 
So this morning as we close, where are you? Are you a follower of Christ? If you are not, please give your life to Christ today. We don't know what tomorrow brings. But we know right now that you have the opportunity to give your life to Him. And I promise you, it's the best decision that you will ever make. But for others of us, maybe we're, you know, we say, you know what, I, I'm okay, but I'm, you know, my life's not as good as it could be. I'm not, you know, as good as a Christian as I'd, I'd, I'd like to be. Then guess what, guys? It's time to step up and to depend on, on Christ and, and to pray for His power to move on among us. But honestly, a lot of us aren't praying that prayer because we're afraid of where that prayer might lead us. We're afraid that God's going to tell us we need to, to stop doing some things in our life. We're afraid that He's going to tell us that we need to go here and we need to do this. And guess what, man? That makes us uncomfortable. That's going to push us, to be honest, to a place where I just don't want to be. But regardless of how hard it is to live the faith of Christ, there is no better place to be than in His presence. Because that's where He wants you. And it seems at times that it's impossible to live a life like that. And it's true. It is in your own power. But when we depend on the power of God, oh, all things are possible. God is inviting you to be a part of this story He is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking Him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.